The grace and peace of Christ be with you. Also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you visiting with us. We are so glad that you're here with us today. On each pew, there is a friendship pad. It's near the center aisle, and we hope that you'll take it and fill it out. Let us know that you're here and then pass it down the row so that other people can do that too. You can see the announcements in the life of the church that are in our connections inside of your bulletin. Some of the things for fall are starting up again now that summer is almost over. Our choir will be starting singing for us in two weeks, and there's a chance for you to join the choir. If you've ever wanted to do it, i got to tell you, it's not audition. They took even me, so it works just fine. And actually, I think it's pretty good for my brain. So if you need some exercise for your brain, you could uh, consider singing in the choir. You can see the information. They practice on Thursday nights, and it's about 10 days from now. There's the first choir practice, and then they sing on Sunday morning. And it's a wonderful thing. I love it. Um, also, we have a new group that is starting, a healthy lifestyle group. It is going to be on Monday mornings. It is going to be led by retired Weight Watchers leader, Rafi Yates, who's usually in our balcony. So it can't be a Weight Watcher group because we're not going to be paying for it, but you can do some of the same principles as well as other ways that we can live a healthy lifestyle Monday mornings. And there's an information day coming up on a Sunday that Rafi will be telling you more about that and you can give some input about what you would like as part of that group it's a gr if it's a group that you're interested in being in. Our wonderful junior high leader, Abby uh, Garcia, is going to be moving to a different job elsewhere. It is a great move for her because it's full-time, but it is a big loss for us. And so we will be saying goodbye to her. You can see on September 15th, there's going to be a reception for her down in the youth center after the second service. Our third Friday group welcomes back this September Rob Verdi, who was the founder of Side Street Strutters at Disneyland. He is Mr. Saxophobia because he has a collection of, I think it's nearly 100 saxophones, including all sorts of historic ones and different sizes. And he brings some of the very unusual ones to play for us, and he plays wonderfully. So it's an evening of music and potluck supper, and everyone is invited. You can sign up on the patio for that. We do need you to sign up so we know how many people are coming. And also, men's retreat will be coming up in October, and they are beginning to sign up for that. So let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, as we gather on this Sunday, that is for so many, the end of summer and the beginning of the new school year, we are thankful for the many ways we have experienced your love and your grace this summer, for the beauty of your world, 
for the refreshment of the summer pace, for the many who have encountered you afresh this summer at camp, in Vacation Bible School, in Club H2O, here in our worship, for your hospitality that makes us family. O oh Lord, how you shower your love upon us. We come as grateful people, celebrating your goodness and wanting to love you back with our whole hearts, souls, and minds. Amen. Before we got up this morning and decided to come to church, God, God was, was waiting, waiting to welcome us with grace. When we were unsure of what to do, when we falter before the next step, God, God is waiting, waiting to, guide to guide us in the way of Christ. When we are surrounded by cruelty and injustice, when our fears cripple our souls, God, God is waiting with steadfast love to set us free to be God's sons and daughters. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace, Jesus the
of our salvation. You are the strength. You're the strength of our life. You're the strength of my life, Lord. Let's sing that together. You are the rock of my salvation. The psalmist calls us to confession with these words. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Trusting in God's steadfast love, 
we make our confession to God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Yet once more, we come to you with our prayers, holy God. Our crippling spirits so often keep us from following you. Our grudges so often weigh us down until we cannot walk straight in your way. Our anger becomes that fire which scorches our friends and loved ones. Our fears blind us to the goodness in those we believe to be different. Forgive us, O God, our rock of salvation. Set us free from our wrongdoings and failures. You knew us before we were born. From the day of our birth, we have known your love and your grace and hope. So may we offer you our joyful thanks as Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, reaches out to touch us with your healing forgiveness yet once more. Let's take a moment for our personal silent confession. The psalmist sings, The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Receive the good news in Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Amen. And now I'd like to invite the children to come forward. We have a science experiment this morning. And that must be what that little table is for that I've been almost tripping over all morning. I think there is a science experiment that you're going to want to come up close to be able to see. Good morning, my friends. Thank you, Emily. How are you? You guys can have a seat. I'm going to have you have a seat. Make sure nothing goes awry. No, just kidding. It'll be fine. You sit right, yeah, back like that. Good, good. Hi, good morning. Yay, summer, come on. So I thought we would have a little something to make this a fun lesson for you. <laughs> so this, we're going to say, is us, right? We're looking pretty clear and good. This is God. We can see God in our life pretty good right now, huh? You see that? So as we go through our life and our days, right, sometimes we kind of forget about God in our hearts. Maybe you guys are getting ready to go back to school and you're really, really worried about what your friends are going to think about your outfits. Really worried about what is going to happen if you don't have the right outfit on, right? So God is God's still there, right? We still see him. We're really concerned. And what about you remember that you forgot to brag to your friends that you won that baseball game at the end of the season? So when you see him at school, oh yeah, they're going to hear it. We really slaughtered you guys. You guys were horrible. We are the best. You are not. Ooh, that's not very nice. Nobody really likes it. So, what about another, maybe, something that might happen when you run out to recess? All your friends are running over to the grass to go play, and you look over, and you see a girl, or maybe a boy, sitting there by themselves. You think, ooh, I feel kind of bad for them, but all my friends are already over there. I'm just going to go with my friends. They'll figure it out. Mmm, ooh. You see God much now? Yeah, we start covering him up and nobody can see his love inside of our heart when we're acting like that, right? I'm sure you can think of a lot of other things. So as we get it together, right, and we think, wait a minute, maybe I should listen to that in my heart that God's telling me that I know is true, but sometimes it's really hard to see in my life, gets covered up, maybe 
we wear what we think is cute enough, and it's fine, no problem. I don't care what my friends think, it's all good. Maybe when we see our friend at school that we really, really slaughtered them in that game, but we say, you know what? You had a really good hit to second base. That was really cool. That was a really good job. And what about when we're running out to recess and we see that friend, maybe a new friend, sitting over there by themselves, and we see our other friends and we think, you know what? I'm going to go over there and I'm going to say hi to them and ask them if they want to play. See how they're doing and check up on them. When we do all these oh, things, that show God's love, look at that. We can really see him in our life. Look at that. He's so visible. Pops up right there, right? And we have him in our hearts. So when we keep him thinking in our head, we got to think in our head a little bit more sometimes, then that translates to God's love in our heart that we get to share with all of our other friends. Isn't that cool? All right, so let's say a prayer. And then we'll go off to Sunday school. Dear God, thank you so much for these children and their families, Lord. Help us, God, to always show your love to others, that they can see you in our hearts at the top, Lord, of our life, that we will be there for one another. And we bless this day and this time now that school is starting, Lord, that everybody has a great year, and we keep you at the front of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Show us your Uh, let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, now as we come to hear from your word, fill us with your spirit. Teach us by your spirit. Soften our hearts that we might delight in your presence. Sharpen our minds that we might discern your truth. And shape our wills that we might desire your ways. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. It's on page 76.
I know what you're thinking. I've had a year to prepare for this sermon, so what's going to happen this morning? It's not true. I haven't really been preparing. The sermon you find writes you, which is the task of the preacher is to stand in that place that's pretty uncomfortable for a good week. So hear this word this morning. I know for some of you it's the first time you're going to hear it. For some of you, we've studied it in Bible study. And so listen and be attentive as God speaks to us this morning. From Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 10. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, but not on the Sabbath. But the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrites, you hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away and give it water? They've been doing that. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who for 18 long years Satan has bound, should she not be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? And when he said this, all of his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all of the wonderful things that Jesus was doing. And Jesus said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? To what shall I compare it? Well, it's like a mustard seed that someone took and threw in the ground, and it grew and became a tree. And all of the birds of the air came and made a nest in its branches. Or, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I know what some of you are saying this morning because some of you have already said it. Summer must be over because Beth is preaching. And I'm good, I've decided I'm going to flip that on its head this morning. I'm going to say, look, fall has begun. <laughs> Hallelujah. Fall has begun. Can you smell it in the air? I can. Can you feel it at night? I can. I'm really thankful. So I haven't been preparing for a year to do this sermon. I've been trying to be very intentional about being present, being present with the Lord, being present to the Spirit, being present to you as each Sunday planning the liturgy and the music. So it's been an interesting week for me. If you're visiting with us this morning, we've been in Luke's Gospel since June. Actually, funny enough, since summer began. We started back in chapter 9 at verse 51. We've called this section in Luke the traveling narrative because Jesus is leaving Galilee and he's heading to Jerusalem. He has his face set toward Jerusalem. Now, Jesus has told the disciples a couple of times that he will suffer and that he will be rejected and he will be killed and he will die. But in three days, he will rise again. And all along this road, crowds have grown, but opposition has grown. Why? Jesus has cast out demons. He's healed. He's taught. He has challenged all along the way our assumptions and also the positions 
of those in the established religious order, the church of his day. He said, you want to become great? Become the servant of everybody. You welcome a child in my name, you welcome me. The lowest, you welcome me. And then he gave authority and power to the 12 and to the 70 to go out into the world and to carry on the mission statement that we read back, way back in Luke 4. He said, go out and cure the sick and the lame and the oppressed and preach good news and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. And so they went out and did that. And they came back and told Jesus everything they had done. And they were so excited. What joy. But all along the way, Jesus has been challenged by the Pharisees and the scribes, the lawyers, the Herodians, and their disciples. So, like, we have to put ourselves in their shoes. So, basically, it's saying he's been challenged by the Baptists, by the Episcopalians, by the Methodists, by the Presbyterians, by the Catholics. You get the picture, anyway. So he's talking to us. He's been challenged by them every time, and those individuals are scandalized by Jesus' words. Jesus lifts up a Samaritan and says, this, this Samaritan whom you despise was actually a good neighbor, a better neighbor, in fact, than the Pharisee and the Levite. Why? Because he showed mercy. Because he had the compassion of God. And over and over again, Jesus has schooled those who think they're in the know, who think they're on the inside, who think they're righteous, but are really not. Jesus has called out those who are clean on the outside, but whose insides were full of greed and wickedness. Jesus' words, not mine. Luke eleven thirty nine. Again and again, Jesus confronting the hypocrisy of those in charge of the church. And again, because the Spirit speaks to us today, it's been a long summer for us of being confronted, isn't it? <laughs> We're asking the question as a church, what does it mean for Laguna Presbyterian Church to be Christ here in Laguna in this time as the Spirit is guiding? So we, we are trying to be attentive to that. And it's sort of uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but there's some discomfort there. And there's some comfort there. And I think that's intentional. So we come to the story, and it's a story that we only find in Luke's gospel. It's the Sabbath, and Jesus is in the synagogue teaching and healing. And this event creates another crisis. Jesus does this intentionally. In Luke 6, on the Sabbath, in the synagogue, Jesus sees a man with a withered hand. And when, you know, Jesus is always seeing, seeing and moving, right? He's always seeing something and moving it actually. He sees a man with a withered hand. And Jesus turns to the religious leaders and says, uh, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to destroy it? And there was no answer. <laughs> and so Jesus reaches out, touches the man, and his hand is healed. And the response of the scribes and the Pharisees, here's Luke's word, fury. They were furious. So, if helping a bent woman creates a crisis, then a crisis it has to be. What will their response be this time? So being a good Presbyterian, even though I was raised Catholic, I've learned that you should always have three points, and so here are the three questions that we're going to ask this morning. What is the good news? What is Jesus doing? Second question, why is good news bad news for some? And then the third question is, so what? What does this mean for us? What are we to do with this today? Well, what is the good news? The good news is Jesus. First, we're not told the good news. Rather, we encounter the good news. Jesus is good news. Jesus sees, and in his seeing, his heart is moved so that his doing is simply flowing out of his being. Jesus is intentional, always. Jesus is congruent, always, no matter the cost. 
His outside actions match his heart. Who is Jesus? Look at what Jesus does. It's what he teaches. In the story, we find Jesus, a bent woman, a leader or the president of the synagogue. Okay, the senior pastor, maybe it's the associate, maybe it's the worship leader. Other scribes, elders, deacons, and the crowd, men and women. And the scene quickly shifts. Luke wants us to have eyes to see. He says, behold, a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years, bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. Luke is a doctor. Can you see her? Can you see her? 18 years. 936 Sabbaths. 18 years. Can you see her? She's bent over and she can only see the ground. She can only see her toes, her feet. Jesus calls her forward. Can you imagine? How long did it take for her to walk bent over up to the place where Jesus is standing, to the place where Jesus is teaching? Perhaps the place where only men are allowed to stand. Now everybody sees her. And it's probably a little bit uncomfortable. Do you see her? Jesus says to her, Woman, you are set free from this weakness. And then Jesus places his hands on her and for the first time in 18 years, she's upright, praising God. I don't know about you, but I long to see that. Do you long to see that? What, if we saw that this morning, what would your response be? Hallelujah! That's why I said the theme this morning is hallelujah. The touch of the master's hand. And there she is, upright, praising God. Well, we should be not so surprised to find out that that's not what happened. There wasn't applause or alleluias. Look at verse 14. The president, the pastor, the associate pastor, was indignant. That's a big word. Indignation. That's righteous anger at what one considers unfair, mean, or shameful. In the Greek, the word aganakteo. Aganakteo. The root, I use that word because the root of that word means to bend. It's the curve. The leader is bent away from the mercy of God. The law has been broken. Jesus has worked on the Sabbath. But what do we see? A crippled woman who is bent toward God, a religious leader bent away from God. Make careful note that the leader turns not to Jesus, but to the crowd and says, there are six days, y'all. Six days for work to be done. You come on those days to be healed. Don't come on the Sabbath. Oh, now Jesus is mad. See, Jesus is not happy. Because verse 15, he said, Luke changes, but the Lord, because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. But the Lord answered that man and said, hypocrites, in the plural, all of you hypocrites. Jesus knows at the heart of their indignation, they have judged this woman unworthy of the mercy of God. They no longer saw her. Or if they did, they ignored her. Jesus knew Exodus 35 too. He wrote it. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on that day shall be put to death. 
Jesus knows that at the heart of Sabbath is gift. Sabbath is a day to fully entrust ourselves into God's sustaining hand for our daily bread. We were not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is God's gift to us. It's God's gift of rest to us. Do you not know that God cares more for you than the lilies of the field, he said earlier? Do you not know that God wants to give you the kingdom? Fear not, little flock, for it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus knows about our double standards. He knows that we'll unbind an animal and lead them to water on the Sabbath because it works to our benefit. But we will not free a child of the living God, a daughter of Abraham, hypocrites. Jesus asked, should I not untie and unbind and unbend this daughter of Abraham? Should I not set her free from bondage on this, the Lord's day? Certainly, she deserves the mercy and the grace and the compassion and the rest, the rest, the shalom of God. So the good news, Jesus, is bad news for some. Bad news for those who say they love God, but their lives lack any demonstration of that love. Like the fruitless fig tree, their lives are barren of vision, barren of mercy, barren of compassion, barren of joy, barren of hope, barren of love, barren of grace. They say they love God, they say they love his word, but in actuality, they only adhere to those parts that work to support the status quo and get them the best seats at the best tables at the best places. Did this woman not deserve to be freed on this day? Are some more deserving of God's mercy and grace than others? Should you and I dole out God's grace as if it were something that we had purchased at our own cost? No. Notice it's because they have no rebuttal for Jesus' words to them that they're disgraced and they're silenced. When confronted, when confronted with the truth, they realize they're wrong. And you see, at the heart of this is the heart of Christ. This work that Jesus did was not done selfishly. It was a selfless act of giving life and grace to one of the least of these, a woman on the margins of life, a woman that others felt unworthy of God's attention. Grace comes to us freely because Jesus' act of selfless love. He will bow, he will bend, he will wash disciples' feet, he will bend towards the Father in humility. Our Lord, the Son of God, will die on a cross so that we might live and have life. Jesus will pay the price. Jesus will scatter grace as far and as wide as possible. Jesus knows where he's going. He's on his way to Jerusalem and the cross. Now, the entire crowd was rejoicing at all of the wondrous things that he had done. And as they're rejoicing, he says this, and this is the next question. So what does this mean for us now? Jesus, anytime he tells a parable, it's a parable for you and I now to wrestle with. What's the kingdom of God like? It's like a tiny mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the ground and it grew and became a tree. It actually didn't become a mustard tree, it became an oak tree. What? I'm a landscape architect. I'm like, no, no, that doesn't work that way, Jesus. You can't talk in hyperbole like this. It doesn't make any sense. He said, no, it grows so big that all of the birds in the air can make its nest in it for branches. What? Okay, he says, for you bakers out there, uh, maybe you'll understand this. It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour. And you're like, okay, well, I'm doing the calculation, and that's enough to be six people, okay, no, maybe three people, oh, five people. And it feeds all, and all of that measure, all that flour was leavened. It was all leavened, enough to feed 150 people. So the bakers out there are going, no, no, Jesus, it doesn't work that way. You can't put one least season in, it doesn't, 
Jesus said, it's the Father's good pleasure, little flock, to give you the kingdom. God's kingdom is the kingdom of life. It starts out small and grows beyond our expectations and human possibilities. It's a tiny seed that produces a huge tree that all can shelter in. It's yeast mixed in with an abundance of flour that leavens all of it. It feeds way more than expected. It's like two, two fish and a few loaves of bread feed 5,000. How is that possible? Because God is at work. God's economy is not our economy. Thank God. And we're challenged to think about that, that God chooses the humble and raises them high. God chooses the weak and makes them strong. God heals the brokenhearted and gives them life. Would you follow this man up to Jerusalem? Will you follow this man? One crippled woman in one little village, in one synagogue, on one Sabbath, 2,000 years ago, Jesus sows the seed and the kingdom comes and grows, yes, even today, and it has expansive consequences because you and I are talking about her right now. How cool is that? Think about this, the church, a bunch of disciples have nothing in common. Jesus brings them together. Jesus dies He's with them. He says, I'm going to send out my spirit. He ascends. They wait. The spirit comes. And this tiny church is now spread all over the world. It has become a huge oak tree. And you and I are invited to participate in the ministry and mission of God. We are to be Christ bearers. We are to be going out and giving life. Small things... Uh, Mother Teresa said, done with great love. The other day I found this story on my Facebook. Facebook is good for something, and, and here's one of the things it's good for. Here's a story. Think about how it connects. This came across my feed last, last Sunday. This woman, Riley Long, writes about her nephew, Lakin. So we go to Walmart today, and Lakin happens to see an elderly man that was having a hard time shopping and finding things due to him not being able to lift his head up and see straight. Yeah, crippled woman. He can only see the ground and barely the sides of him. So Lakin looks at me and goes, Aunt Rye, can I please go help him? And I said, yes. And he went up to the man and asked the man if he would like some help. And the man's eyes lit up and the man said, well, Yes, that would be amazing, young man. Thank you so much. And Lakin was running all over the place for this man. The man was so happy. He told us that he hadn't had anyone offer to help him in years. Lakin went and helped him check out, bag his stuff, and had the store call the bus for his ride home. And the man tried to tip Lakin, and Lakin said, oh, thank you. I don't need this. I enjoyed helping you. And so Jesus invites us to have his eyes to see, to see the man at Walmart, to bend, and to say, yeah, I could spend a few more minutes here in Walmart. And in that, the kingdom grows. Because we're reading Lakin's story. Jesus invites you and me to bend this day towards life. Life in Christ. So that we might be Christ in the world. God called a daughter of Abraham responded. And there was great joy in new beginnings. God called and a young man named Lakin responded. And there was life and there was hope and there was love and there was care. And there was healing to one man's heart. God caused Gentile and Jew, rich, poor, male, female. He says, all of you who are hungry and thirsty, come to me. I'll give you life. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing 
all he wants is that we would turn our hearts toward him, church. Turn your heart. Turn your heart. Turn my heart, O oh Lord, like rivers of living water. Turn my heart, O oh Lord. By your hand. Until my whole life flows in the river of your spirit. And my name, daughter of Abraham, Keitha, Christie, Larry. Leslie, Linda, till my name brings honor to the Lamb. Fear not, little flock, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's be the church. Let's be the church. The world looks at us and says, you hypocrites. You say one thing, but you don't care. You do something else. Let's be the church. Can we be the church in this place? It's going to cost us. It's going to cost us everything. But everything we have is his. Yeah, it's risky. That's risky. But he wants to do something in us and through us that's so much greater than what we can possibly ask or imagine if we'll just say, yes, Lord, yes, I'm afraid. You know I'm afraid. But I want to follow you. I want you to do more in me and through me than I could do on my own. Make me more free. Make me more free. In a moment, we're going to take just some brief silence. And I want you just to listen to these words again. Christ is always calling today. Come to me, beloved son of Abraham, beloved daughter of Abraham. Today. You are set free. Lord, we thank you that your grace runs beyond our expectations. More healing, more hope, more joy than we could ever imagine. You come again and again to unbend us, to set us free, to call us. We thank you that you touch us and walk beside us when our bodies are racked with pain, when our minds are in confusion, when our spirits are bent away from you, when our failures overwhelm, when our relationships break down, when grief grips us. So hear the names of those who need your healing touch today as we speak them aloud before you. Judy, Nancy, Molly, Dick, we thank you that in your mercy your love extends around planet Earth. And so we pray for the peoples and the lead, leaders of each nation, asking for your wisdom and for peace. Would you make us people who bend both toward you and toward those who are in need 
bringing life. And so once again, we pray for the day when your kingdom does come in its fullness, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith together. In the words that you will find printed in your bulletin, from the Constitution of our Church, from our Book of Order. The good news of the Gospel is that the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creates, redeems, sustains, rules, and transforms all things and all people. The mission of God in Christ gives shape and substance to the life and work of the Church. In Christ, the Church participates in God's mission for the transformation of creation and humanity by proclaiming to all people the good news of God's love, offering to all people the grace of God at font and table, and calling all people to discipleship in Christ. Amen. Let us be seated and bring to the Lord our morning offering. Choose the humble, you raise them high. You choose the weak and make them strong. You heal our brokenness inside and give us life. The same love that set the captive free. The same love that opened eyes to see is calling us all by name. You are one aside and speak the words you are mine you call the cynic and the proud come to stand and sing together. Same love.
And so, Lord, it is in response to your call on our lives and to your great love that we bring you these gifts, asking that you will use them and that you will use us for your work in this world. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. As we come to the end of this service, if something in this service has touched you and you would like someone to pray for you, um, Michael and his wife Caroline will be right over here and they would love to pray for you or with you after the service. This is the day the Lord has made and we are rejoicing and glad in it. Go out to be his hands and his feet, his heart. Give him the glory for all that he's doing, the wondrous things. And may he use you to touch people's lives and bring healing and wholeness in a world that so desperately needs to know the love of Christ. Amen.